Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. So I have a ball playing with these profile pictures and collecting these various NFTs, trading them, selling them, discovering new projects. I'm having a really good time with it. However, I truly believe this is all a warm-up. The greatest utilities are still to come. Today, I will share three pain points that I personally experience and how blockchain technology and Web3 will solve them. So I was born in Jamaica. However, I spent most of my life in the States. When I travel between the U.S. and Jamaica, it's like I'm traveling between two different worlds. Identification, medical records, invoices, and so many other things are done via an archaic system in Jamaica. Just to give you an overview of how much of a headache it is to do something as simple as open a bank account, you are required to present identification. Okay, that's standard. You're going to need a job letter or some sort of proof of income. You're going to need two references from bank members or account holders. Then you're going to need a recommendation from either an authority such as a JP, which is like a notary public, but it's called a justice of the peace. They have a little bit more power than a notary public in the States. However, this is a well-respected local person that the town basically nominates to be in a position to authorize and be a gatekeeper for people doing business and transacting, just identifying them, saying they are who they are. The other option is to go to a police chief, MP, which is a member of parliament, so that is a government official, or the bank manager within that organization. So those are the different things that you have to do just to simply open an account. And as far as identification, that could be a hassle in itself too. So let's say you want to get a driver's license. Even if you have something like a birth certificate and your passport, you still need to go through some hoops. You will still need a recommendation from one of those authority figures that I mentioned earlier. You're going to need signed photos within the last six months. And it doesn't matter how many other forms of identification you need, you still have to go through all of these steps and procedures. So with the blockchain and all of this technology that we're developing right now, what I'm excited about that is it actually provides a solution. It makes it so much easier to identify a person is who they say they are by simply looking at the blockchain and having them sign it using their private keys. Now, someone could simply say this opens up the whole new territory of what sort of things can go wrong if someone gets access to those private keys. That is still the case today because there's still identity theft. So there is that vulnerability. However, this actually prevents all the different areas of scam and exploitation and the single points of failure by having each individual hold on to this information and be able to sign these transactions, verifying they are who they say they are. The government can also have a signature that they'll sign documents that say the person, their name, their date of birth, all the information that you'd need to fill out all of this information. Even biometric data could be stored on some sort of digital document that is actually locked or sealed in the sense that it is not necessarily there public on the blockchain, but it is linked back to a government record somewhere. So that's sort of bridging the whole Web 2 and Web 3 in the sense that some people might say it is privacy issues as far as having all of this information or maybe even develop something where you can have a sealed file within the blockchain or something. I don't know exactly how you do that encrypted information or whatever it might be, but I know a lot of people might not want to have this information up and about. However, as far as with this, 
all that information is not really being stored and managed by that government agency or whoever. It's just that initial identifying document, which would be then stored with the individual that is attempting to sign a document to saying that they are who they say they are. So in summary, rather than going through all of those different steps, all of those hoops, having to go to multiple people to sign off, verify your character, say your money's coming from where it is, you can have all of that information stored in that little NFT or that file or whatever you want to call it that is already linked to that particular wallet. And by signing the transaction, saying that person is who they say they are, it is verifying all of that information. And it's not like it is just putting it out there publicly, but the signature itself is authorizing whichever party it is, in this case, opening that bank account to say, yes, all of this information that is being brought forward was already verified at some point in time. And this is the actual wallet holder. And here's their biometric or information, whatever it might be, so that they can go forward and transact without having to go through all of those hoops. Now, another area that I've had some serious headaches with was medical records. About two years ago, I had a full physical. They call it an executive profile where they do your blood work and your blood pressure and they send off all sorts of samples to the lab. And within a week or so, you get back the results. The first step to do that is you go to the doctor's office, they do that in-house, the basic physical, and then you ask them to order the script for you to go to the lab and have that full physical, that full executive profile done. Now, here's where things get a little tricky. After you leave that doctor's office, you have to go to the lab, have all of those examinations done, and then they send it out for processing. Then at a later date, it is going to be sent to the doctor so that way you have to go speak to your doctor to see if anything was wrong, if a plan of action needs to be put in place, or anything of that nature. Now, my doctor actually has a policy that within the 10 days of that initial visit, so you go in for a problem or whatever it might be, when you go for that follow-up, there is no additional fee. Okay, that sounds great. However, the day that I went to get the initial physical was a day that I was at work and I wasn't able to then go and get the lab work done because that has to be done in the morning on an empty stomach. So I had to wait for a following day later in the week that both worked with my schedule and the available slots at the lab. So as a result, a few days had passed and then after doing that, once it was sent out, the results were then sent to my doctor and I have to wait now until I have the availability to be able to go back to my doctor. Now, why am I telling you all of these details? I got extremely frustrated when I was going to the doctor and they were trying to tell me that the 10 days passed, therefore, I would need to pay an additional fee to go see the doctor again. Of course, I explained everything that I just said that simply everything could not be done in one day and I have to work around my work schedule and the lab schedule. And if there's anything that's true, it is that Jamaica is in no rush to do anything. So it was not like it was sent over immediately, electronically, very quickly. It, it was a process. So everything took a few days and hence why I am back on, let's say, day 11 or 12. They weren't trying to hear it and they wanted me to pay an additional doctor's visit. And just out of principle, I was not doing it. Although the physical and all the things that I just paid for was probably about five times more than the actual doctor's visit, just pure principle would not let me do it. I said, this is not fair. Why should I have to pay again? Because the process is slower than what that window is available. And it's not like it's adding any expense to the doctor's office or anything. There is an open slot. And yes, you could see me right now. However, just because I won't pay that fee, 
and I am either a day or two outside that window, it's a problem. So I was frustrated and I said, okay, at least just give me the results and I will leave. My plan was just to send them to my sister. Although she's a dentist, she still had to go through all that medical training and everything. So I was just going to show her the numbers, say, hey, uh, take a look at this for me, please. Tell me if anything's wrong. Should I go to another doctor, get a second opinion? Or are there any numbers of this on concern? Because although she might not be able to treat it, she can definitely still read the charts and see, oh, this is what your level should be. None of that was possible because they would not give me the records. So at this point, I'm getting very frustrated. I said, I paid a ridiculous amount of money to have this test done and you're telling me that you won't even give me the records. I'm not saying that you should do anything, you should treat me, you should give me any advice or do anything. All I wanna do is get a copy of that paper. And the receptionist said, no, I can't give you a copy of it because it was sent to the doctor. I said, yes, it was sent to the doctor, but I paid for it. It is mine. And after that, they did a whole bunch of talking without saying anything. Frustrated, I just left and I never even got my results. I didn't even bother to fight it anymore or anything. Just out of sure principle, I could not bring myself to pay for another doctor's appointment. And in theory, I was like, if anything was wrong, they would have called me and rushed me to come in. So whatever. I'm not going back. So how could Web3 and all of this stuff that we're exploring right now present a better alternative to that headache that I went through? If those records were not sent directly to the doctor to begin with, and those records were sent to me via my wallet, my secured information, and I brought that information to the doctors, they could not try to hold it hostage or hold it ransom for me to pay for another doctor's visit. Because I had all the information, I had all the data, And honestly, any doctor I go to and present everything, then they'd be able to advise me accordingly. I've been in a lot of Twitter spaces recently, and I'm hearing various people say, this is something that we need to have done for the medical records. And then there was the other side saying, you can't put medical records on a blockchain. It's going to be uh, revealing people's identities and all sorts of information because the blockchain is open source. However, this is what I would like to suggest and say. The current iterations of how we see these blockchains and these ledgers being a public record and all these different things does not mean it has to be exactly the same way going forward. There might be different blockchains for different applications, and in particular, a medical blockchain of sorts that sort of skews which information belongs to which wallet and how that could be seen, whether that is encrypted, jumbled data and what have you, and it has to be unlocked by the wallet, the person that actually owns it or something of that nature. And I could think of, there's even blockchains and coins such as like Monero and other ones that offer all sorts of craziness as far as being able to maintain anonymity in this whole Web3 thing. And because we know with Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, that ledger really is the track. It is the breadcrumbs leading back to that original person, whoever made that purchase or spent the funds, received the payments, whatever it is. So using whatever they're using to make those anonymous blockchains and transactions, I can see that is somehow bridging and fusing with a way where medical records are using that same anonymity. Everyone could just simply figure out what's going on in people's bodies like or anything like that. No. I wouldn't think that is a good idea, but I do think it is a great thing for the patient, the person who actually paid for those tests, and it is their body to actually have those records and can't be strong-armed, if you will, for more money just to get access to it. And even in the sense that if I'm moving from one country to the other, let's say while I'm in New York or uh, traveling to the States or abroad, any other country, 
and I get sick or I need to go to the doctor or something. And that particular doctor is not going to have any medical record for me. However, if I do have access to it, whatever kind of record through this whole uh, record keeping blockchain Web3 technology, I can just sign a transaction at that current location and they'll get the relevant information that I need. What medication I should not use, what type of history I might have. So they'll know that I can't use that sort of treatment on this particular patient because he has a history of ABC. Because let's face it, most of us don't even know what blood type we are. So to visit a doctor in whatever state we are in and be able to uh, recite all of this stuff up and tell us our history, our allergies and all these different things is not the easiest task. It is so much easier to sign a transaction and have the doctor have the relevant information that they need for the particular incident. And the third and final area that I'm going to discuss is another area, another headache that I'm going through in my life. I'm a part of a family business. It is in the grocery industry. And as a result, there is a lot of receiving of trucks, checking off goods, invoicing. And of course, as I said, this is Jamaica. So everything is done, paper, old school, old fashioned. And I can think of several occasions where it has happened to me, it has happened to other staff members that are in a position to receive goods. The truck driver comes, claims to have dropped off a number of items and signs our signatures because whether copying it from a previous page or another old invoice or whatever it might be, saying that we got the goods and we did not. Now, why would a truck driver do this or a crew on a truck do this? Let me use a a global example that people can better understand. Let's say there is a Nike truck with a hundred boxes of shoes. They're supposed to go to four different sneaker shops. So that is each of those businesses supposed to have four different invoices saying how many shoes they received. So when the truck arrives, they give them the paper, they check off to say, yes, those are the boxes I received. They sign it. They give one copy back to the truck driver and the business keeps one copy. And whenever those uh, payment terms are, let's say it's 30 days credit, whatever it might be, at the end of the month, the sales rep now comes with that original copy the truck driver went away with goes to the accounts receivable department and presents that, and that is what is being paid on. Of course, the accounts receivable has the original one that was left at the store, so they are reconciled with each other, the payments are correct, and whether it is cash or check, that is when money changes hands. Now, in the case of these fraudulent truck drivers, what they did is they just wrote up an invoice, never delivered the goods, signed a signature, And I can think at least twice it was mine and maybe two or three that I could think of off the top of my head recently of the other staff members, some of our other supervisors that also receive trucks. And what do they do with that? That those goods that we never got, but our signatures on the paper, well, they go on the road and they try to sell it to some uh, shopkeeper at half price and they just get the cash for it. So they're using our credit account to go sell those goods, get that cash and hope within those 30 days We'll forget what we received or what we signed for. And when the sales rep comes to collect, we might just say, oh, it looks like we lost an invoice and then we'll pay it. No. So that is just outright stealing. And that is a very common thing as far as delivery drivers and truck drivers here on the island. And since all of these records are done by paper, there's a lot of opportunities that presents itself. So on an average week, I could say we probably receive anywhere between 200 and 300 different invoices, pieces of paper that we sign for. And even if an invoice is, let's say, 10 sheets, however, one is removed and we sign for nine, there is just so many opportunities for uh, wrongs to be done. 
Now, how can Web3 technology and all of this information that we are uh, currently discussing solve this solution? If each business has its own account and each receiver has its own wallet, if you will, to sign transactions, it prevents this from happening. So let's say that invoice is basically an NFT that comes from Nike or whatever company that it is that I I mentioned. I know uh, this is the food business, but I just use Nike because it's a global company that everyone listening to this should at least know about. But honestly, it doesn't matter. It could be any company. So they send their NFT version of that particular invoice. So we know that invoice was authorized by the company and it was sent out with the driver. Now the person who receives the goods, checks off everything, has their authorized company issued wallet. They then can go and sign that transaction. So think of that as let's say with MetaMask or any of these other wallets where that little pop-up window comes up. Well, with a device such as MetaMask, you can put those wallets on a mobile device such as uh, an iPhone or an Android phone. So if you are the one who's receiving, you can then just sync that up, go online and connect it, even using NFC near field technology or near field communications or whatever it might be to just bring up that little dialogue box saying, yes, I'm authorizing this transaction. Boom, sign it. Just as if you're purchasing an NFT, that can be verified and it can be done to authorize and receive these goods. And as long as that employee is the only person with that particular wallet, it will be very easy for the company to be able to tell if the goods were received or if something fraudulent has taken place along the way. So I know those areas are really not that exciting. And for the most part, it is pretty boring, but they're solving some very real problems. And this is something that I come across, if not a daily basis, I would say a very regular basis. I know with the truck drivers, that is something that I deal with on a daily basis. However, being able to identify myself to open an account, whether it be uh, getting a new cable account or a bank account or just trying to get any document for that matter, I would say at least once a month, I have to go through that headache. And those medical records, Hopefully, I don't have to go to the doctor very regularly, but at least I know for my physicals and things like that should be a yearly trip. So it might not be a very frequent aggravation. However, considering that the information that needs to be swapped back and forth is very important, in many cases, that is literally life and death, then in that case, it is a serious problem that I can't wait for them to tackle. And I would love to know what are some issues that you can't wait for the blockchain, this Web3 technology and whatever developments are being made in it to tackle in your life. As usual, I'm always open for a good discussion and I would love to hear from you at Tropic Vibes on Twitter. So feel free to send me a tweet or a message over there. And as usual, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode, sharing it with your friends, interacting with me on social media and so much more. And I look forward to the next one. So until then, later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.